0: Back-to-school sales have started. You can buy markers and a backpack, erasers. They're all out there. Halloween decorations are up, too. We know that back-to-school is coming soon. The education minister came out this week, said, don't worry, they've got a plan. And he released the document. And we now want to focus in on what that said. Now that people have had a chance to read it, Dr. Prachi Srivastava is one of those individuals. And the education minister seemed to present this plan with some fanfare. Dr. Srivastava has looked at the plan and has been studying education in the public and private systems for years. Did she see a reason for any fanfare? What did she see? From it,
1: um, I think the plan that they've released is really more of a sketch rather than an actual uh, implementation plan. I'm not sure if school boards have more information, but what was publicly released to me, it's actually quite difficult to comment on because there isn't that much detail in in what was what was released. And I've read the I've read the document that was put up online. Um, there are some figures there in terms of the cost but what is always problematic about those is that there's no per pupil expenditure so you don't really know for example when they say x millions of dollars being put into something it's not particularly helpful unless you know what the per pupil expenditure is and exactly where that money is going is it going to be targeted to different schools uh differently um or is it just a bulk sum um, I think it's probably a bulk sum, but I, I'm not sure. So, you know, having numbers um, without really having an idea of how it's being spent is not particularly helpful. And the other part of the plan, which I thought was, I don't know how to say it, a little bit disingenuous, is the idea that this is the most investment in public education that has ever happened. They, this this um, line has been stated a number of times over the last two years and it's just factually incorrect i mean that's actually factually incorrect and that's not coming from me that's coming from the financial accountability office that has done reports on education expenditure over the last two years showing that this government has actually cut education expenditure to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars and will continue to do so until 2029 up to 12 billion dollars so I don't know how those kinds of statements get put into a plan which are just incorrect and I think it's very important for um, citizens, parents, uh, everyone who's interested in education to understand that that to me um, is, is spin.
0: We're talking with Dr. Prachis Ravastava from the Faculty of Education at Western University. And, hey, this is not anything new from the education minister. I've even asked him myself. I, I've said you open a lot of your sentences with dollar amounts and big dollar amounts, and they really don't mean anything to any of us. And, you know, it's something he's just done. And he likes to talk about dollars. He likes to talk about things and and then go moving right along. So... In terms of cuts that are still to come, can the education system as we know it withstand more cuts? Are we looking at something that eventually is going to go to, hey, here's, here's another stream. Here are more ways to use some kind of, of private editions, or if, if you wanted to pay just a little bit, you can get a little bit more. Do you see anything like that down the road because of what we're hearing over and over again now? There are a few key
1: words in the plan, which, when they're mentioned, cause me grave concern. Um, and you know, I've been studying public systems and private systems of education for over two decades. That's actually my my focus of of, of research is on education administration policy, and I look at those questions. and a few And a few key words pop out. Uh, the first uh, that I saw in the plan was the word choice. Um, the second was this. Uh, Again, factual incorrect uh, use of, of the way that expenditures are being uh, touted, and the third was highlighting teacher salaries um, in in this plan. And I'd like to break that down when when the question of choice comes in, and I think that's really the one that is the most concerning uh, when those words start getting used. That is code in in every education system whether we're talking about Ontario or, or in any country when the word choice comes in that is code for infusing some sort of private mechanisms within public education um, again over decades of research um, internationally that's what we know and there were that word was in the plan so I think you know the idea and also the idea that there will be different ways that people can supplement, education all of this requires uh parental engagement in a way that is not just supporting your 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 children but also uh looking into other ways of supplementing and that really does mean going into some kind of private provision whether it's supplemental education or tutoring or whether it is people feeling that they need to choose uh different types of schools because now the public system is not doing what it what, what they would like it to do because of funding cuts when you see the word choice, that is a way of infusing some kind of private mechanisms into the system. So I think your question is very well framed. Uh, the The other part, which I thought was a bit odd, was to have that graph in that plan that shows uh, as the bar chart that shows the comparative uh, teacher salaries. And again, it's a very it's, it's a small cross section that they're using. They're using the highest um you know, salaries uh, of permanent teachers that one could have. And it's a provincial comparison showing Ontario um, with the highest uh, salaries. But remember, this is not an average salary. It's at the highest, at the high end. Why I thought that was odd was because we're well aware that there will be contract negotiations. um, And to start infusing that kind of discourse in a catch-up education plan just didn't make any sense. When uh, governments start doing this, it is a way of trying to sway public opinion against public systems. Um, Because what they're trying to do is to make people question whether or not the frontline workers, education workers are actually doing their jobs and to kind of say that they don't have any real reason to be aggrieved. Now, I'm I have to be very honest. I'm not at all. I don't follow Ontario politics in terms of teacher negotiations. And I really don't want to get into that. I'm talking more about discourse. And I thought that was a very odd thing to put in a plan that really has to do with what are we doing post COVID-19? What is the what is the curricular plan? What is the pedagogical plan? Um, I didn't see very much. I saw something around private tuition. Uh, sorry, around 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 uh, tutoring, which is seen, which is known to show um, gains. So yes, there should be publicly supported tutoring within all schools. But again, what is the plan for that? There was some discussion around. Uh, numeracy and literacy, which I think is the right way to go. But again, is this going to be a long term plan? I'm aware that the way that it was implemented in May and June was very ad hoc, that boards were not given a, really any time to plan, to think about how to do what needs to be done to deliver a high quality uh, instruction, and that they were given very short timelines. So again, I'm not sure initially. What I was uh, told by some of the boards was that their tutoring money was going to run out in December of 2022. I'm not sure now if that's going to be extended. It's not clear again in the plan that was put put forward. So those are the kinds of details we would actually like to see. And and everything else is a distraction. You know, questions around choice, questions around comparing teacher salaries, um, questions around, you know, voluntary curricular, extracurricular um, activities, these are all distractions. What you want, what we actually wanted to see was, is there a curricular uh, reform for the next two years, which is what I've been saying. So I had a three-point plan. Well, not, not me. I was basing it on the emergency education literature. Three-point plan. The first is to do a complete overhaul from JK to grade 12 to, put, to look at parts of the curriculum that should be lengthened in a current year, the part that should be moved into the next year, and the part from from the previous year that should be brought into this year. And that should be done across the board for two years. That we don't see. Um, And then there is some discussion around core skills, but again, that's done through tutoring. And we don't know if that's any uh, comprehensive program. Is it a program that is going to be the same across the province or is it gonna be ad hoc? That we don't know. There is some discussion around mental health Because the second part of the plan was also to have psychosocial support for all children, which I was proposing. There is some discussion around mental health support. But again, it looks like a very small amount of money. Um, and it doesn't talk to how that's going to be spread out across all the students, across all the grades. And, of course, the third part of what should be done is to allocate resources to those schools and those communities that are most adversely affected. They should be getting more resources than other schools. That's really what you want to see, and you should want to see that in detail. Everything else is distraction, and I don't see a very concerted... um, discussion in this plan that was released.
0: Dr. Srivastava, thank you so much for breaking this down how you have, because it's easy for us to get caught up in the, well, we've got a plan, and then easily look and say, oh, look at how much money some teachers are making. And you hit on that perfectly. That's not what we want to be thinking about. We want to be focusing in on what it means for the students, how we get them caught up, and thanks for outlining what you've been recommending. Here's hoping at some point We see some action on that. All the best. Really appreciate your time.
1: No problem, Mike. Thanks for having me back on the show.
0: We will do it again. Dr. Prachi Srivastava joining us. So a couple of things to unpack there. But again, don't be caught by the sleight of hand. That's what Dr. Srivastava is pointing to, that they include this graph saying, oh, look, teachers are making a lot of money. Focus in on that. No, don't focus in on that. Focus in on the fact that they say they're spending so much money more money than ever before. She says, that's not factually correct. That's not factually correct. So it's time for the education minister to once again stop beginning every sentence with a dollar value. Please stop doing that. And then, what, tutoring? What, what is tutoring going to Where are the tutors coming from? Who's doing the tutoring? Why isn't this a little bit more comprehensive? Kids spent more time out of school in Ontario than anywhere else in North America. Right. Because of the pandemic. So where is that help coming from? The plan shouldn't be able to be summed up in as small a document as this was.